0: We get an air fryer in here. <laughs> to reserve your questions about air fryers until after I open <laughs> us in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have called your church to witness that in Christ you have reconciled us to yourself. Grant that by your Holy Spirit we may proclaim the good news of your salvation so that all who hear it may receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The air fryer was a recent purchase. I don't really
1: have to answer that.
0: <laughs> I promised I would. We got a new. So we have we have this mid, this Wednesday midweek divine service. Um, it's I mean it's pretty popular I guess. So like so what we have fellowship in here, and so we got a new Keurig that has like the individual pods, but also a pot next to it. And then some people are bringing like treats to warm up, and we didn't have a div- any, any mechanism to warm it up because a microwave is like just kind of kills things. So, like, can we get an air... F-? Or whatever, whatever that thing is. T- yeah, a special oven. I don't know what it's called. Because a women's lifelike meets in here, and now, like, Theology on Tap, it's becoming more of a... Not just the youth. It's like a lot of... It's a great space, you know? So, anyway. A couple of general announcements before we get into the Lord's Prayer. I intentionally gave you way too much material today. Um, because I only kind of had scheduled one week for the Lord's Prayer and I, and I don't want to be, I'm, I'm going to be tempted to, just got to run and gun and finish all this and I don't want to do that. So I, I made it look intentionally intimidating for myself. So I'd be like, just take this home and I try to put some, some main ideas. So a lot of the stuff that's in there is to guide my, like what I think the main ideas are I want to highlight. Under each petition of the Lord's Prayer, there's like a a quote from the Lord's Catechism and some basic like, what does this mean? But it's all there in the Catechism for you. I kind of wanted to just make sure I could present it to you. Most of you, it's going to be familiar to you already, um, but it's good to refresh on some of these things. We'll talk about prayer in general, and um, with that in mind, the... um, the, uh, if, you're, if you're new to the Lutheran Church, there's a very simple family devotional resource called Portals of Prayer. It's been, it's been a buddy of mine works at CPH, and he said, this keeps the lights on because every church buys like, you know, hundreds of these, and they stick them in the back of the church for people to just take home. Very basic, quick devotion resource. Like, we give them away to nursing homes, and it's, it's, it, they're, they're great. So if you don't have anything... Uh, we also developed a congregation at prayer. That, that little right now, it's a little green document for prayer for the families. But um, so that's, that resource is there for you, and that's, that's actually on that little as you exit the sanctuary to your right. There's like a gigantic table that usually just catches garbage, like classic Lutheran church problem. like Whenever there's a flat surface, it catches debris. So like you know the, the LWML puts her junk up there, and like everything else piles up there. So. Um, the portals of prayer, right next to it, there's like a rounder, like an information tower thing that spins around. Portals of prayer is on there. And also um, a, a bunch of these little things that that we got a hold of uh, in, the, in the past couple of years. It's called the, the What About series, where it's like, this is a simple explanation of Christianity. It's a simple explanation of like, what is baptism? What is the Lord's Supper? What is the church year? Uh, how do we kind of talk about a lot of the current Culture, cultural social issues that are kind of like gender gender identity, uh, image of God, um, abortion, transgenderism, all the type issues so if you're curious about any of those individually they're treated in a concise way, and this is like really very recently put out so help yourself to any of that stuff and on the same table where I mentioned catches all that junk back there, it used to be the welcome center, but like I noticed that we weren't actually using it as a welcome center, and there was a sign above it that said, Welcome Center. There was, like, you could see the spider web, like, when the light was right. Like, this is the sign just screams, we're not very welcome. Just get rid of the sign. Let it be a catch-all for junk. Um, The week at a glance, all you guys, I assume, are on it because I told Beth to put you on it against your will. So uh, if you're not getting it yet, you somehow managed to throw it to your junk. But I just want to make sure... um, We try not to clutter up the bulletin with, like, announcements of all. I mean, depending on church experience, you could come into churches and they hand you more material than you know what to do with. So we're like, let's just keep the bulletin basic of just worship stuff and then email people what's going on with that. that. So that's all in the week at a glance. And that allows me to kind of squeeze tighter the annoying end-of-church announcements, which I just despise. So we've been trying to, like, eliminate those would be my dream and push everything over to the uh, Bible study, the Sunday Bible study. Hey, Beth. That's where all the, all the heavy lifting ideally would be done there. That's the start of Bible class. We talk about stuff that's going on in the church, and then we hop into Bible study. If for whatever reason you aren't getting it or don't like email or whatever, it's, there's a printed out version. Thank you. Printed out version. Um, you can pass it around. Right there on the table as well. So I, we all, I like to have this handy because we have like Two people at church, at least, who refuse to use, one refuses to use email, one refuses to give out his email because he's a hardcore conspiracy theorist. So we have the paper there. (laughs) And last but not least, coming up tomorrow in this very room at 7 o'clock, Theology on Tap, we'll be studying Luther's large catechism. So I ordered like 60 of these, and now we're down to like maybe 20 left. Um, so if you, it means you're free. So grab one of these if you want to read along. I think th- tomorrow we're planning to get through the preface and the introduction and, and the first commandment. So th- the large catechism is written for basically you guys. So thinking Christians, kind of thinking through the practical implications of the basics of the faith. And so what the small catechism does in 15, 20 pages, this kind of unfolds it a little bit more, applies it just like a step, shifts gears one more, one more gear higher. Um, so join us for that if you're, if you're interested. Um, and this, so based on, it depends on how fast we can move, but it could be that we study this for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I hope maybe just a whole year. Because we'll it's only once a month we have theology on tap. All right, enough of that. So grab one of those before you leave if you'd like. So today's goal is to talk about uh, prayer in general and then also the Lord's, the Lord's prayer specifically. So when we come to church, obviously we're, one, of the, one of the big things we do when we come to church is to pray. And the main idea with prayer is we're, we're saying, in a way, we're saying back to God what he's already told us about himself. He's kind of holding him to his own promises. Um, Specifically, what, what's helpful about the Lord's Prayer is he, he said, when you pray, do this. So it removes a lot of doubt for us so that we can kind of take some comfort in the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer comes up in your divine service. Um, if you flip to your, your hymnal, we're about to, in, in Advent, we're about to start divine service three. That's on 184. So as we've been walking through the liturgy, remember we start with, the Lord calls us to his name, we confess our sins, receive the absolution, sing the Gloria, on the top of 187, is uh, the Gloria in excelsis, glory be to God on high. That, that, part, that part of the liturgy is omitted during the season of Advent, which is coming up in um, basically the week after Thanksgiving, and the reason is, it's the song of the angels, so you... We hold off during the season of Advent, and then we sing it again on Christmas Eve to kind of highlight its significance for us. And um, so we'll be, we'll be using this divine service here in a couple weeks, but then when we, to, when we get to Advent, we'll drop that glory. In. The, the idea is that it feels uncomfortable. It's like, it feels like something's missing, because it is. It's going to be a song of the angels on Christmas Eve. And then, the in just like the Alleluia's in Just like the in Lent, exactly. Um, we we retain the Alleluia's during Advent, because Alleluia is the uh, kind of the exclusively reserved during Lent. But then we get the collect of the day on page 189. So that's one of the one of the central prayers in the in the Sunday service. If you ever wondered about the collect of the day, I mean my childhood growing up, I don't think I ever listened to that. You're <laughs> kind of like still getting your bearings where we're sitting, where we are in the bulletin, where, all that kind of stuff. But um, As a pastor, since my job is, you know, you're thinking about wrapping together the theme of the readings with the hymns and and the bulletin and getting everything together in a nice little tied-up package. The collect of the day is trying to capture the theme of all the readings. So um, depending on on the, the, the main text of the day, which is typically the gospel, the collect of the day that's assigned is, is like the significant prayer of the church. It's Pastor Bartons and I like to chant that. Um, and then right, that's right before the readings. So the collect of the day will give you the theme and then the readings will actually lay out for you the, the readings that are kind of, and, you'll, and you can make those connections if you're listening for that collect, you can make the connections of that theme. Then the sermon, preaching on, extolling on the, um, those readings and the creed, confessing the faith. Offertory, after the Lord's Supper, creating me a clean heart, O God. And then finally, 193, the prayer of the church. Uh, bottom of 193, there's a, there's a break in the divine service where we, 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 go, we move from the service of the word into the service of the sacrament, and the prayers kind of sit on the middle there. Um, we have the, the Offertory, which we sing. The Offertory, basically, it's just the cover music for us to set the table for communion. And we're getting all set up for that and then sometimes we've been offering there and we've eliminated the, the offering plates and i'm totally cool with that i don't ever intend to bring them back we kicked it around for a while and um like if people want to give we, there's, there's ways to give right so there's in fact at the end of this class if you're interested uh, we will pass out like the online giving stuff that's the easy way to give we're trying to get our congregation percentage higher in doing that but the offering plates are cool um but it makes church long, and I'm all about keeping church, not short, but just, just a hair before it feels too long. You want you people feeling they want, that they want more, not less. Something happens magically about an hour. Everybody's like <sighs> You see it. But at the end, like 59 minutes and 30 seconds, fine. Everybody's, hey, we have so much time. Where'd all the time go, man? So. Uh, that's usually the goal. So eliminating the offering saves us, especially in our weird sanctuary with the, the pews. I mean, some of those pews are like 60 feet long. And if you're sitting on one side, imagine how this would play out practically. If you're sitting on one side, you're passing a plate, and you're, oh, there's no one there. There's that guy over there. I need binoculars to see him. You've got to get him, walk all the way across. And it's, it's always like somebody's not paying attention, so you're waiting, and everybody's waiting. The whole service is on hold for this. Let's just put the plates in the back. You know where it is. If you want to support the church, here, do it, man. So um, that's kind of where things are now. Probably want to tighten up the security of that. I've heard some churches are putting have like, like, special boxes. And this has always been a thing, like, the Catholic church in Europe and stuff. You go to nice cathedrals. It's like a little slot where you can drop your money, and it doesn't get— it's not easily accessible, whereas we just have the plates out in the open saying, hey, we're just testing your knowledge of the Seventh Commandment. <laughs> if you need sense to confess— <laughs> uh, and then the prayer of the church, there at the bottom, of, after the offering, we have the prayers of the church. And um, that's practiced differently in every church. Um, usually we kind of wrap some, some main themes we always are hitting are those in the congregation that have requested our prayers, the sick, the grieving, various needs. Um, we rotate thematically week to week on Anniversaries. So if you want your anniversary, in fact, when the month of your anniversary comes up and we didn't pray for you, it's not because we don't like you. It might be because we don't like you, but uh, no. If you don't tell us, how are we supposed to know that we want that in there? So uh, the, first, the first Sunday of every month, we pray for all the anniversaries of that month. And uh, it's because what started happening was everybody everybody wants... Like every week is somebody else's anniversary at a church of our size, and all of a sudden we're praying for all these things every single week, and the prayers were just like, again, really long. I want to keep the service just right. So we can trim. We have prayer for the anniversaries in the first week, the armed forces, uh, so people with us, um, relatives and so forth in the armed forces the second week. Third week, which would be this week, we're praying for mothers with children, so for safety uh, for the mothers and bearing children, and then shut-ins of the congregation in the fourth week. So all those who are unable to be here as often as they would like. Uh, and then the fifth week, which is the free-for-all. We just no, uh, So those, those are generally the themes that we hit uh, with specific collects. But then there's always like one general prayer that kind of grabs the theme of the day and applies it to our congregation. Uh, we pray for the, our church and its mission in various different ways. We pray for repentance for everyone in the congregation. So general themes we're kind of working through. But that's usually the rationale that um, as we sit down, as pastors to prepare the prayers. There's a there's a guide given to us by Synod, actually. It's pretty helpful that gives us a lot of these prayers already, but we, all, we also want to taper that to the, the immediate needs of our congregation. So if you ever have prayer requests, send them over to Beth or send them to one of the pastors, and um, we can get those in the, in the prayers. There's also a, a slot on the back of the card. And if you really want to have fun, try to write like in an, an, not a very legible way. So, it's, so Beth's in there trying to translate... Hebrew. I can't tell if he said... <laughs> uh, so, and not for the prayers of the church, then we get into the whole service of the sacrament, which we'll be talking about the Lord's Supper here in a couple weeks, but sandwiched in the middle of the service of the sacrament, on page 196, is the Lord's Prayer. And so it's got a very high... It's, at, it's at the highest point in the service, because what's nice about getting together for the Lord's, the Lord's service is... Kind of pastors are, pastors are usually hit or miss. God's word is the main thing as it's being proclaimed. And the sacrament, which always delivers the goods. Um, the physical presence of God located on the altar to forgive our sins. This is the high point. So we got the words of institution. And just before it is, Jesus said, do this. So it seems like a decent thing to, to, to tack on here. So the church has historically played, prayed the Lord's Prayer right there with the, wor- with the words of institution. And um, because we've say, said the Lord's prayer so often, um, it's it's a good thing. We we could be praying that prayer a hundred times a day, and that would be good. Um, but it's also kind of nice to slow down and chew on the individual petitions, because there's a lot that we can, that can be unfolded in each in each phrase. So we'll look at a couple of those phrases uh, this evening. But that's the. That's the, kind of the central position of the Lord's Prayer. Also, you might find it annoying if, if, uh, if you've been in a baptism in um, well, really a liturgical church. Catholic churches do the same thing. But whenever there's a baptism, we like to have the baptisms in the divine service as a part of the service. Why? I mean, you know I'm trying to keep them short. So it's kind of annoying because it makes it a little bit longer. But it's, it's baptized into the church. So it's not a building. The church is... You guys. So we're all kind of together and we're bringing in someone new into the family here. So why would we want that done not here? Well, because the babies are going to cry and it's embarrassing. Well, guess what? No one cares. If you care, get over it. (laughs) Like, what I want to do is like, there's like this, there's a panic that sets in in parents and I feel it myself and I'm holding Sadie and she won't be quiet. So like, we always want to run. So if you ever see parents that are like the kids, I go to the 11 o'clock service on Sunday. I got a mom kind of juggling two kids all by herself and the baby kind of ran up right, anybody see that? The baby ran right from the pulpit. And there's like this panic that sets in. And I'm like, it's, it's awesome. Like let, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. I will tell you, if the, if the baby comes to the chancel, I'm going to hold the baby the whole rest of the service. That's the deal. <laughs> uh, so it's like, but I don't want them to leave. Same with like Bible study and screaming. I mean, so as a, as a participant, think about it like, it, right now it's quiet, it's kind of nice. Because um, w- the goal is academic, but in church it's not purely academic, right? So it's part of this. We're receiving the Lord's gifts and it's a whole family affair. And so when you go to, when you go to Christmas at grandma's house and the baby's crying, she doesn't have to leave the room. She just passes the baby to Aunt Susie, right? Susie walks around for a little bit, and that's what we should do as a family. So to try to help enforce that to the, to the mom sitting next to you who's juggling three kids by herself or whatever and say, hey, good job, you know, can I help you in any way or whatever. That's not the case in every church. Everybody always tells me stories about how I was at such and such a church, and the lady gave me the stink eye because my baby was crying. And <laughs> Man, I feel bad for the pastors in that church because I bet you none of the pastors are promoting that. It's, it's people in the pew who have certain presuppositions or expectations. So do me a favor and don't be that guy. Be the nice one that's, <laughs> that's welcoming the children. Because that's what Jesus does. Let the little children come to me. Anywho, I forgot why I was even brought that up. But um, Let's look at, so there's a, on your handout there, the overview of prayer. This is kind of an, a general approach. Oh, so when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, we're able to kind of rattle it off without thinking about it. So let's let's... Slow down and chew on a couple of colleagues. When it comes to the Lord's Prayer in general, all these quotations on here are from the Lord's Catechism, which we'll be studying at Theology on Tap. We must feel our need, the distress that drives and impels us to cry out. Then prayer will come spontaneously as it should. Or isn't that true? Like it, when you're actually, when you're brought down to your, to the depths of despair, prayer comes quite easily. And it and really it comes so sincerely in this way of like, I just, God, you got to help me here. You even, you're at a loss for words. And that's, and that's I mean, it's, it's sad for us to be in this situation, but that's exactly how he wants us to cry out in our distress. That drives us to the need for prayer. This need you will find richly in the Lord's Prayer, for we are all lacking plenty of things. All that is missing is that we do not feel or see them. So, so often we'll forget the great needs that we have, or we take them for granted, that a lot of the things that God is providing for us currently. God, therefore, wants you to lament and express your needs and concerns, not because he's unaware of them. He knows all things but in order that you may kindle in your heart to stronger and greater desires and open and spread your apron wide to receive many things. So the way I teach it to the kids, like fold your apron wide is kind of a weird analogy, but I'm like, you go to the parade and people are like coming by with candy and throwing like Jolly Rancher candy and the kids like watching my daughters trying to pick up and get as many in their hand. Like you only hold so many Jolly Ranchers, but if I had a giant sheet, then I could just... Catch all the Jolly Ranchers and the giants. So the idea in the Lord's Prayer is that God is showering all these blessings upon us that are both show us what we need. That's why He's given them to us. We don't even realize these things that we, that we need, but also recognizing that He does give them to us. So we're, a lot, we're taught to spread our apron wide and be reminded of our, our great need. So, uh, what is prayer? How does our world think of prayer? And if God knows everything, why pray? So, kind of some basic questions on on how to approach prayer. Why pray? Why pray at all? Um, how our world approaches prayer. I mean, it's going to be different for for perhaps everybody. But I love the generic sense and and like you can. There's certain things they can't say on the news. Like they can't say, you know, the Lord be with you. <laughs> uh, but they'll say our thoughts and prayers. All right, condolences with those who are lost or who are, who are losing who are lost loved ones. But our thoughts and prayers are with those people in Florida suffering with hurricanes or whatever. That you can say prayers. Why? Isn't that interesting? So if, if they're able to say prayers, that actually shows a general understanding that we can pray in any specific, in, in any way we want, and it's unoffensive. So we want to pray... We want to make sure that our prayers are done in an offensive way. <laughs> that is specific. We're praying to God. We're praying to God who created us through Jesus Christ who redeemed us, right? Um, and, and that also gives us a certainty. So I'm not praying to the universe. I mean, it would, I mean, think about it in a really practical way. Like if there's not a God, I'm not sure there's a God out there. And that will be portrayed in movies sometimes too. God, I don't know if you're even real. I don't know if you can hear me, but. It's <laughs> so kind of a weird thing. Um, you don't pray to a God that you don't believe in. So for us, we have a certainty of who our God is and that he not only um, not only loves us, but he's promised to hear us. That's why he commanded us to pray. Uh, but also this helpful reminder I try to preach on a little bit on, on Sunday. When we pray, it actually forms us. So it's kind of a flip thing that God does with prayer. He know, of course he knows what we're what we need, but on the on on the one hand, he is a father and not a robot. So is it possible to sway the opinion of God? Well you're like, well, God doesn't change. Yeah? That's true. The scriptures say that, that God doesn't change. He also says he's a father and he's a person. So can God change his mind? Well he did in the Bible. God changes his mind. He was he relents of the disaster. He can change the course of things. So uh, we can pray for such things because that's what children do. Dad, do we have, please don't let me eat my vegetables. <laughs> just heard that prayer tonight. Uh, <laughs> this begging. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, you're right. They were kinda, I didn't put enough salt on the green beans or whatever. Other times like, no, eat the green beans or no dessert, right? It just kind of, why? Eh, I'm a person. And that's so God's a person and not a robot. But it's formative for us because as we pray, especially in the way that God has taught us to pray, our wills become more in line with his. Specifically, as we're praying, thy will be done, like seasoning all of our prayers, we're mindful that no matter what I'm praying for, I'm starting with, I'm praying to God who loves me, who gave his son to die for me, and he's working all things toward my good. So here's the thing that I want, God, but I also know that whatever you give me is, is, for, my, is for my good. I think was Bernard of Clairvaux, ancient church father, who said, uh, so when you pray, God, God will give you what, you what you ask or something better. And so I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. So I, okay, God, give me a million dollars right now. Um, well, would that necessarily be good for me? Well, maybe. It might from my perspective perhaps, but he knows what's best for me. So that's the, that's the prayer of a child before a father saying, I want, I mean, I think the easiest way to think about prayer is always the ice cream analogy. It's the kid who walks, you're walking down downtown Naperville, I mean, this literally happened for us two weeks ago or something like something, Mom, uh, Mandy needed to go take something back in downtown Naperville, it was like a terrible time, 11 o'clock. And we pass the, you know, they have the candy stores like blowing beautiful smells into the, and they're inside, they're like, you see cotton candy like rolling around and popcorn and all this kind of wonderful things. And of course, right away, they're like, dad, (laughs) can we have, can we have some of that? No. Why? Like, why would I say no? Don't, like, they, 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 of course, didn't draw any of these conclusions. Don't you love me? Or, of course, none of that. But just imagine the confusion, especially for a three-year-old. Because they don't understand things like diabetes and, and just general health. All they know is this tastes really good. And sometimes dad gives it to me when I ask. That usually happens to be like after dinner on Friday night when you're good, right? These things all kind of line up. But for the kid, he just knows I like the taste of this. I ask dad and sometimes he gives it to me. So I want them to have the freedom and the joy of asking and not be afraid. I mean, imagine the par- paralysis. If, I, if I'm like lashing out at the kids for every time they ask, and granted, it can be annoying. So, I'm like, stop asking, stop it. <laughs> but if you put yourself in that position of, a sh- of the shoes of a kid where sometimes I ask dad something and he, and he lashes out at me, so they don't want to ask anything at all. They're having to think, is this something I can ask Dad for or not? Is he going to get mad if I ask this? Uh, but no, I want... like You don't, you don't have that approach with Santa. <laughs> so like, ask whatever you ask whatever you want. Just know that I'm going to say no. Because I know what's best for you. And that's kind of where the, that's where the buck stops. So, Dad, why? Uh, you don't understand. You'll understand someday. It's all right. But no, you can't have that right now. So when we pray, God gives us what we... What we want, what we ask for, unless he knows something is better for us. And that puts everything through the lens of God's will being being ultimately for our good, from a loving God who knows what's best for us in spite of ourselves. Uh, any questions so far? All right, so as we get into this, some prayers, some, uh, some excerpts from the scriptures, I kind of put, try to save time and put them all there in front of you. Um, you get the, as Jesus giving the, um, this parable in, in Luke 11 of the friend who comes over and knocks on the door of a journey and asks for bread and knocks on the door, and finally, because, because they're annoying, this shameless audacity, uh, finally they'll, the, the host will go and get the request. How much more, though, for a loving father who's asked repeatedly Uh, For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he says, Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So God knows... He's giving these good gifts, especially the gift of the Holy Spirit. But as a loving Father, He's giving what is good. So we're here asking for something. I'm asking for an egg. Why is God giving me a scorpion? Um, interestingly, I, was, I read a commentary on this this past year. It's because we're studying Luke in our adult, our adult Bible study on Sundays. Um, some scorpions, I guess, can roll up into a ball and they look like an egg. Oh. And some of these fish, the way that when you have a bunch of fish, in fact... In Mississippi, we have these gig- ginormous catfish. We also have ginormous water moccasins. And from above, when they're going through the water, they look the same.
1: Oh,
0: So and the point there is, I, I never thought about this before, perhaps a connection between egg and scorpion and fish and snake is that for the, for the kids, like, ah, I asked for an egg and you gave me this thing that looks like a scorpion. It's not a scorpion, it's an egg. I know it's best for you. Like God's. we often don't know, like where we, in our limited perception of things, we might think what we're, given, we're, what we're being given is a snake when it is in fact a fish. It is, he, God has given us what, we're, what we need, even though it might not seem that way. He's not gonna hurt us. He's not trying to, he's not trying to hurt us. Uh, and in case you think you don't know what you're praying for, um, Romans 8, the Spirit himself is praying on your behalf. And not just the Spirit, but even Jesus himself is praying for us. That's the high priestly prayer in John uh, 14, 15, 16, 17. This is the huge chunk right before Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus praying for us. So we've got Jesus praying for us, the Holy Spirit praying on our behalf, and that kind of sets us at ease to just, just pray um, because we know God is our loving Father. And when you pray, you don't don't have to make heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles, Matthew six, for they think they will be heard by their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask. But pray like this: Our Father who art in heaven, He gives the Lord's prayer, Matthew six. So, um, when it comes to prayers, I always grew up in this weird. Half of my family is is like Southern Baptist or like non-denominational, so I got like. You know, whenever family's together for Thanksgiving, I get like this my uncle Jerry has this, when I was an old man, this this big time Southern drawl. And he could pray for like 20 minutes. Like, dude, the turkey's getting cold, Jerry. Let's go, man. But like, there's this, and it's always off the cuff, off the fly. And he's good, right? Fine. But uh, prayer doesn't doesn't have to be that way. That's a helpful thing. Because when Jesus, when the disciples asked Jesus to, how to pray, he doesn't say, Pray from their heart. Use lots of adjectives. Um, he just said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, he gives it to him. He gives a written prayer. So written prayers are, are, um, are meant to be, they're, they're accessible for us in our great times of need when we don't know where to, where to go maybe. So in, uh, in my pastoral care, like at the hospital, I'll often walk into a room and I don't necessarily know what I'm walking into. And uh, I've got a book, The *Pastoral Prayer Companion*. It's like the new pastor's crutches. <laughs> and you're like, I don't. I remember the first time, uh, the first time I, I was trying to comfort Don after his wife. Sunday morning before church, wife didn't wake up. He got in the shower, came back. She's still there, and she had died. So Don was like 90. Um, so he was my first funeral. So I remember sitting in the living room. And I'm just like, I don't know what to, what to do at this book. (laughs) So I start flipping, just like, until we're waiting on this family to come and the funeral people to come and just reading the Psalms, reading some prayers that are drawn from the Psalms, uh, having some scripture, all these promises of our Lord Jesus, because really I'm not going to make it better. The only way I can make it better is if I could actually, what? Raise the dead. But the one who can make it better is the Lord, and I'm going to Remind him of all the Lord's promises, right? So um, even as a seasoned pastor, you know, you, you kind of jump, I walk into a room and I grab a written prayers and I use it as a springboard. And I encourage you all to do the same. Like if you, all of us have loved ones and family and friends that are in the nursing home with dementia or, or whatever the situation might be, and you walk in like, I don't know what to say. Well, you don't have to think about it. There's a really thick book Jesus gave you, uh, the Bible. So you grab the Psalms and you just start going. And... Um, when it comes to prayer, you can keep it pretty simple, right? So we approach God like a child praying to a father. And, how does, and this is where the, first, the intro comes in. Um, our Father who art in heaven, what does this mean? With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father and that we are his true children. So with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him as dear children ask their dear father. So boldness and confidence is these helpful words of a, just a kid. Dad, 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 repeatedly. I want, can, can I have this? Like, there's no reason to think you're not going to give me candy at 6 a.m. There's a boldness and confidence and this toward a loving father. Notice this true, true father. Um, so our earthly fathers are but stewards. So the true father is a heavenly father. And uh, so we're praying to him. He's dad. And, and we got these earthly fathers that are, that are ultimately modeled after our heavenly father. That's the, our vocation as fathers. Uh, so we pray boldly and confidently, but we pray like a child. And like a child, we know that this, my loving father is going to give me what I need or something better because he knows what's best for me. In that sense, I'm a child when I pray to God. And it can be simple. That's going back to the, the hospital room. Uh, Lord, I don't know why. I don't know why this is happening. Uh, this is a terrible situation. P- please work. A, please work a miracle. Turn turn this around. Give us some life. We're in the face of death. But really, Lord, keep. Let us not lose faith, because I'm. I'm. I seem to be losing faith. That's the prayer of the Psalms. You go through the Psalms. Oh, again and again and again, the Psalms are crying out, "How long, O oh Lord? Why? Um, you promised this. I just don't see. It's just suffering." So in the face of the suffering that seems to be expression of God not loving us, we're clinging to God's promises. You have promised these things, Lord, don't let me go and help me me see good out of this. We pray the Lord's Prayer not alone. So it's not my father, but our father. So even the Lord's Prayer is, is given to the church for us to pray together, recognizing that we're all part of the Lord's Church. But even better, it's not just, our Father, but it's Jesus who's saying this. So Jesus saying is, we're brought into the family. And given that, it's one thing for like the, the kids next door to come over and, and ask for something. Um, sometimes I just have to ignore them or they don't go away. <laughs> I'm not joking in case they listen. Uh, but so, but they, these aren't my, are my, are my kids, Right? But to actually have my kids ask for something it's a totally different level, right? So when my, my neighbor kids say, hey, can I play in the backyard? I'm like, I don't know. You're not my kids. Do whatever you want. Ask your mom. But with my kids, it's like a, a totally different story, right? So, so for us to be given this, this uh, wonderful high position of being able to pray as a member of the family, it's, it's, it's not even a member like as a servant or as an employee. It is family. It's the highest, the highest level. Um, that's good enough on the first petition or the introduction to the Lord's Prayer the Our Father Um, Our Father who art in heaven oh yeah I want to do one more it's at the very top of page two where is heaven Our Father who art in heaven Our Father who's in heaven where's heaven near or far is it near or far it seems like it's seems like it's far but we've been far and no matter how far you go, do you get there? You know, I mean, Hubble hasn't <laughs> hasn't found it, or you know, it's like it's. So we know it's not far. It's out of our realm, but it's in fact, it's. I would I would make a case it's it's near, and you see it like in um, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus is at the top with uh, Peter James and John, and he unzips heaven, He like, and out pops. Moses and Elijah, it's like they're right here. So this heaven is just this other realm that we just can't see. But um, even more so, heaven is uh, where Jesus is. And so when Jesus is promised to be with us, it brings heaven to us. So, so in the Lord's Supper, we have heaven brought down to earth in the Lord's Supper. We have the promise of heaven being with us even now as we're like, this is not, I'm not in heaven now, but the one who... The king of heaven and earth is with me always. So I know heaven is, in some way, it's with me. And so when I die, it's a short trip, you know. Uh, So the uh, praying to, like a loving, like a child praying to a loving father who knows what's best for me, who's not far, but he's near. Uh, He has a name. We've, We've unfolded the name quite a bit. Hallowed be thy name. God's name is holy in itself. He's not waiting on me to make his name holy, but I'm just praying that his name would be kept holy among us. So how is that done? Well, God's name is holy when it's around holy things. What makes stuff holy? God's Word is taught in its truth and purity. So it's the, it's the Holy Scriptures through which the Holy Spirit works, and the Holy Spirit makes stuff holy. So we're praying for God's Word to be taught to us in its truth and purity so that we as God's children with that loving Father, so that we live holy lives according to it. Help us to do this and and protect us from those who would have us do otherwise. So that's his holy name. Um, Anything else I want to say there? Any questions on, on the name? Second petition, thy kingdom come. So the ki- God's kingdom is, a kingdom is wherever the king is. So this is how, like, in military conquests, like, you're not going to, if a king is, is in enemy territory, what, that's, what that means is that the, the army, the, the, the ground has expanded. Like, the, the um, that's where I'm looking for. The territory belonging to the king has expanded now into this enemy territory. Or the king is a prisoner. In which case, if you play chess, game over at that point, right? If you can with the king's prisoner, it's done. So wherever the king is, the kingdom is. And so when we're praying for the kingdom to come, we're praying for Jesus to come and be with us to make himself known. Uh, the kingdom of God certainly comes by itself. God's kingdom's not waiting around for us. God's not up in a lazy chair saying, well, I, I, wish, I, wish, uh, I wish Bob would pray for, uh, for the kingdom to come so, so I could actually bring it down. He's not waiting around for you. He knows what he's doing. We pray that it would come to us also. We pray the recognition that his kingdom is coming to us. How does God's kingdom come? God's kingdom come when he gives us, uh, when our heavenly father gives us his Holy Spirit. So by his grace, we believe his holy word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. So in short, as it's in bold there, the kingdom of God is, it's Jesus. It's the flesh and blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sins. So, wherever there is the forgiveness of sins, there we have Jesus. You don't have, you don't have the forgiveness of sins without Jesus. And where Jesus is, you have the King, and that's the kingdom. The kingdom is there. So, we're praying for, ultimately, we're praying for forgiveness, which makes us holy, right? Um, anything else I want to highlight there? No, third petition Thy will be done. And that's kind of the beating heart behind the praying like a child. Uh, who, to a loving Father who knows what's best. The good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer, because He's going to do what He's going to do. He's God. We pray in this petition that it would be done among us also. So we're not just praying that it would be done among us also, but we're praying Thy will be done. We're, we're reminding ourselves that God's will is being done around us. And that's a harder prayer to say, right? So as things happen around us, this is God's will for whatever reason. Uh, in, in Luther's bondage of the will, he, he, he kind of runs through this logical quandary where we're like, well, God doesn't cause sin. He doesn't cause evil. Certainly, not. he can't cause evil. It's not of his being to cause evil. But he allows it. Remember the devil going up to Job or going up to heaven and, and saying, hey, consider your servant Job. He seems he's got everything he could ever want. Um, but if you put a little if you put a little suffering in his life, then we'll see how much he actually believes you. And so God's like, all right, have at it. And God allows it. He didn't stop it. He didn't cause it, but he didn't stop it. So Luther says, you can't, you can't, you can't, like make, you can't tell the difference. So whether or not, it's like when God, does, when God allows it, it's almost as though he causes it, but it doesn't matter. He takes, he takes the evil and works it toward good. So in that same passage of bondage of the will, Luther says, the devil is God's devil. It's a confusing way to think about it, but is he takes up the devil who has only evil purposes and uses those purposes toward his good. Consider Pharaoh and how he needed Pharaoh to have his heart hardened. Otherwise, he's not getting, he's not getting Israel out of Egypt. He's not, he doesn't have the Passover. Without the Passover, we don't have... We're not talking about Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, without without the the plagues of e- without the great plagues of Egypt, we don't have God kind of given this huge name amongst all of, all of the world at the time, and then ultimately God making Himself low, and as Israel like shames God repeatedly, and God keeps coming back to them in mercy, despite their their infidelity. So thy will be done. God's, God's will is done anyway. He's, he's God. Uh, we're asking that it's done among us. How is it done? God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, which do not want us to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. And when he strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die. This is his good and gracious will. So usually we talk about what's God's will for my life when it comes to, depending on the, state, the station in life you're in. It's like what your high school kid th- picking a college. I'm just praying for God's will and then picking a spouse, praying for God's will, making a decision on what to do for loved ones, praying for God's will, difficult life decision. We're like, we're, we're seeking God's will and what we mean by that is like, I really want to make the best decision here that's most in accord with good and not evil because I don't really know what to do in this situation. As though God has some master plan. I think... If we really dig, a lot of times we're, we're, we, just, we really just don't want to make a bad decision that we have to live with that really stinks. <laughs> like, I want, I've got a job now that's really good. i got this other job offer in this other place that seems to be better, but there's these, like, potential red flags I don't know, but i kind of not totally happy here. I kind of want to move to Tennessee and build a house, but I don't know what's out there. You know, I don't know what's kind of... <laughs> too close to home? <laughs> like. <laughs> so it's God's will, <laughs> right? Well, so, we're, so we're praying for God's will. A lot of times, we're we're asking for, we're asking for things to go well for us. And what's helpful to remember is, really, what we're praying is no matter what happens, whichever decision I go, you can take the job, don't take the job, uh, move to move to this place, move to that, whatever. Um, Either way, it could work out well or not work out well in a practical sense. Our prayer is that no matter which way I go, God's going to keep me in the faith and work, me toward, work it toward good. Because as we've seen in the Scriptures and we've been talking about, he allows, the, he allows challenges, suffering, for good. So suffering, the greatest suffering on the cross is toward the greatest good. So what we are asking for, ultimately, I want to make a decision that's ultimately maybe the easiest the easiest path for me, so I'm going to take this job and it's going to be an easy job with lots of extra money and everybody's happy and lollipops fall out of heaven. Um, Well, that might not be the best for you. It might actually be good for you to have some suffering in your life because it actually draws you closer to Jesus. Because it's better for you to be closer to Jesus than have everything and let him go, right? But we always forget about that. Um, So God's will, notice, it's not... So when it comes to god 's will it 's specifically that we the, the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh wouldn 't have their way, so my, my sinful flesh wouldn 't draw me away from jesus the devil wouldn 't lead me away from Jesus, the world wouldn 't lead me away from Jesus, um, all these things are trying to keep god 's name from being holy, but instead i 'm praying that I would be kept firm in his word and faith until I die so that 's the priority like that 's that's ultimately his will is his will for us so to kind of, to run it back to like the job question, like, because I've, I've had people do this where they say, well, I'm thinking about taking this job in this other town, or let's or, or, say they pick the job, they, they take the job, they buy the house, and then they look for what? Church. Which, lo and behold, there's not one. And so then they, then so they, what happens? Well, they, so for them, they're Okay. But their kids, what are they gonna do? And yeah, they'll be okay. And they just, I've seen it way too many times. So it's like, we gotta flip our priorities a little bit and say, okay, when you're picking a, when you're, when you're deciding on whether or not you should take that job or move to that place, ask yourself, is it where we're we gonna worship? Because ultimately, that's the main thing. Because if, I, if everything else goes bad, That's the, that's what God, that's the good thing. That's God making me holy, forgiving my sins, strengthening my faith. That's, that's actually the, the firm thing I'm going to hold on to throughout all the storms, right? So imagine like going out into the storms of a churchless middle of nowhere in Nebraska. Actually, there's so many Lutheran churches in Nebraska, that's a bad example, Mississippi would be a better, like, <laughs> the uh, desert from, of, of Lutheran. Faithful Lutheran churches is hard, hard to find down there. So you don't have a church home. You don't, have a lot, you don't have any community of friends. And then COVID hits. You didn't. Who saw that coming? Oh, by the way, you can't leave your house for just, it's just a week. <laughs> Wear a mask for just a week, right? <laughs> oh, wait, a year. Wait, two years. Oh, just like, so here's everybody kind of chopped off from all their communities uh, that's terrible. So the Lord's saying, hey, keep your priorities with, with Him. That's God's main, the main thing, His main goal is to have have His Word preached to us. Because that's the thing that makes us holy, that forgives our sins, that's, that gives us uh, security in the chaos. Uh, oh yeah, that uh, for thy will to be done. So remember how heaven is near and yet it's also far. Far in the sense of, I don't know what He's what he's thinking. I don't know what God's like omnipresent, omniscient, all-powerful, this distant God. I pray thy will be done because I want that distant God to be near. I want his will done in my life. So close the gap between you and us. Forgive our sins. Give us your, your spirit and fill up our lives with love toward others. And as you fill up my life with you, also fill up my belly, keep my body, if it preserve, provide for my daily needs. So give us this day our daily bread. Um, what is meant by daily bread? Page three. God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers, even to all evil people. That's helpful to remember, right? Because rain, it's not like the rain falls on the Christian farmer field and then stops at the, at the fence of the non-Christian, jumps over, right? Um, in fact, it, I would argue it's sometimes it's the other way around because uh, the devil, it's not just... The devil, as soon as you're baptized, you've got a target on your back where the devil trying to do everything he can to tear you away. So, um, so the hardship seems to escalate for, for, for whatever reason. Uh, so the, he gives daily bread to everybody, but we pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize this and receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. In a very simple way, we pray at, before meals, not because if we don't, it's going to do the, the Indiana Jones, like drink out of the wrong chalice job on us where it melts off our face and all that. Like, that's often like, oh, Dad, oh, we, we, we didn't pray. Oh, okay. spit out your food. Uh, this is a tr- traumatic experience. Uh, no, the idea is, it's a recognition. that Unlike the dogs, where we put down the food and the dogs just eat it right away without hesitation, we actually are acknowledging that this food is actually coming from God's hand through so many different things. And that's where what is meant by daily bread here, daily bread includes a lot of stuff that doesn't seem very bread-like. Daily bread includes everything that has to do with the support and needs of the body, such as food and drink, Clothing, so it's easy, it's bread-like. Clothing and shoes, that's kind of step away from the inside of my body to outside. Clothing and shoes, house and home, land, animals, money, goods, a devout husband or wife, devout children, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self-control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and other stuff like that. Like that's this long, long list that Luther is giving. And the reason why he does it is this. And so I lay it out for the kids, like, I draw a, p- a picture of a pizza on the board. I always go with the Luminati's pizza. pizza. Um, the best, by the way, you can do, I, think, I forget the name. It's like a sausage Lou Malnati's pizza. If you add pepperoni to that, oh, it'll change your life, man. <laughs> anyway. Which you can order on Tuesday. To, um, that's, oh, yeah, fundraiser for the school. Yeah, by the way. Oh, yeah, nice plug. So it, so that we get twenty. We get a twenty percent kickback. Yeah. Um, alternatively, you could bypass the pizza and just give all the money to the school. Or we'll accept that as well. <laughs> but uh, so all the so when you think about the pizza in a very simple way. So somebody brought pizza and put it on my table if I'm eating in the restaurant. So I'm giving thanks for the lady who delivered it or the guy who delivered it. I'm also as a, I'm be thankful for my my parents who work to, to, to have the job to buy this pizza. Um, I'm, I'm actually giving thanks for their bosses. So that's like a gr- wonderful vocational scene in the um, uh, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Whenever, whenever um, at the very end, when um, Scrooge comes to, uh, I'm, I'm thinking the, the Muppets version, so it's Kermit the Frog's character. <laughs> <laughs> I have to watch it a million times. Uh, Bob, yeah, Bob Cratchit. And, and, and Miss Piggy's there, and she's 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 all mad because she wants to yell at she wants to yell at Scrooge. Um, but if you back up just before that, when they're giving thing, they're having their Christmas Eve dinner, and um, and t- Tiny Tim's like to the, what does he say, to the master of the feast, Ebenezer Scrooge, and Miss Piggy goes Ebenezer Scrooge indeed. Right? If I had a if I had him here, I'd give him a piece of my mind. Whatever, however it goes. And so this beautiful tiny Tim has this great line of vocation. It's if it's not for Ebenezer Scrooge, we're not eating this food. So even though we might not like him, we're not eating without him. It's the beauty of capitalism, by the way. So even the even the most corrupt have to actually pay people to get stuff done. But so we're thankful for all the things that the money that the, the employers. But now just beyond the the money stuff and the jobs, it's how do we get the ingredients. So all the ingredients from the farm, to the fields, to the, to the weather, um, to the truckers. Uh, my first church I had a guy who drove salt trucks in Colorado. It's very important to drive the salt trucks in the winter in Colorado, as is here. So how many semis are going to get up and down the mountain to bring me pizza if there's not the guy working on the salt trucks, right? So he's actually got a place in bringing food into my family. Um, and I can't very well eat Like if I I can't cut into a steak with a knife and a fork if I'm having to hold an M16 because I'm worried about being invaded. So I'm also giving thanks for the soldiers, peace, the police officers, all all that is wrapped up in me being able to sit down and actually enjoy this meal. So that's what we're giving thanks for. And a very thy will be or uh, give us this day our daily bread is, is recognizing God's hand behind our neighbor in all these different vocations. Well, uh, when you pray, there's a quote from the large catechism, when you pray for daily bread, you pray for everything that is necessary in order to have and enjoy daily bread. And on the contrary, against everything that interferes with enjoying it, although he gives and provides these blessings bountifully, even for wicked men and rogues. Yet he wishes us to pray for them so we might realize that we have received them from his hand and may recognize in them fatherly goodness toward us. That's so I pray. Especially before meals. Um, you can also throw in daily bread to the, the medicine of immortality as the church, church fathers called it. The, as Jesus gives us his body and blood in the Lord's Supper. So that's, that's definitely a, a meaning of this as it's, it's sandwiched right there in the middle of the divine service. He gives us the bread that doesn't, that doesn't run out. Uh, fifth petition. was time? Oh, we're like at time. Let's see if I want to hit anything big. So we pray for, so he's provided for our bellies. We pray for forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So forgive me and have me extend that forgiveness to everybody else. So you've, you've given all these gifts to me, not because I've deserved them, but because, simply because you love me and you forgive me. And so fill me up with your forgiveness so that it overflows to those around me. That's why I like, I, my, my pre-marriage counseling and my marriage counseling with folks is like, go to church, go to church, go to church. It's not some like magical thing that God's going to like magically make your marriage work. But it's like, if you're not forgiving one another in the way that the way that Jesus is forgiving us your marriage will not work. So forgiveness has to be a central piece of it. And it's pretty handy because when you're coming to church and you're constantly forgive you're you're asking for forgiveness, receiving forgiveness, praying for forgiveness, standing next to the person that you might have trouble forgiving, but God just forgave him or her, right? So we want to be filled up with forgiveness so that we can freely then pass it to our to our family. Um Sixth petition, lead us not into temptation. Lead us, back in the Ten Commandments we're talking about, so the Lord wants us to touch holy things and avoid unholy things. So look at holy things, don't look at unholy things. So lead us away from temptation. Lead us toward holy things, the things that make me holy. Turn me away from the unholy things that defile me, the unholy things that lure us, that promise to be fulfilling, to promise, to bring joy—the fruit on the tree that says, "Hey, this—it's not going to hurt you. Come on down." And ultimately, it, it never—it never fulfills its promises and only makes things worse. We know that, and yet our sinful flesh is always drawn back to these sins. So, lead me away from those things. Turn me away from these. Temptation hits us—a great quote from from Luther. The different way temptation hits us at different ages in our life. There, you can check that out. Uh, Deliver us from evil. Ultimately, the evil one, the Greek is quite clear there. Um, it's not just evil, but deliver us from, it's, personif- it's personified. It's the devil specifically. You can draw from that evil in general because it's all kind of wrapped together. But as a Christian, as those who are forgiven by Jesus, baptized into his name, his, the, the king is with us, it draws, it draws fire, Right? And so the, the devil is after us, the, the, the evil one trying to do his, do his harm. So we're asking for deliverance from him. And ultimately, that we be brought out of this valley of sorrow, And this, as he puts it in the catechism, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end, take us out of this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. So while we're in this world, protect us from the devil and ultimately because the devil's main thing isn't to hurt your body; he doesn't care. He'll he'll hurt your body in service to destroying your faith. So, so the devil goes after Job's body only to get him to, to turn on God, right? So that's the idea. If we're protect. We're asking to be defended against the devil, that he wouldn't have his way with our with our faith and turn us away from Jesus. And then when we die, get us out of here. Take us to yourself in heaven, like you've promised. And then the end for that is the answer, kingdom, the power, and the glory. Uh, you're the most powerful. You're going to work it out in the end. Amen. Amen simply means, yes, I agree. So, next time your, your, your uh, over aggressive Hindu neighbor invites you over and asks to pray for you, and you're like, I'm so confused by this. What do you do? I don't, I don't we'll believe in the same God as you, but okay, whatever. And they pray to some weird thing. And when they're done, just not, you just don't say amen. Amen is you saying, I agree. So amen is, um, is you're is your giving the stamp of approval to what is confessed there. So what's nice about amen is it kind of like you, you're, you're bringing your agreement to that thing. So you're in the presence of really weird prayers. You can just be like, yeah, I don't, I don't believe that. I'm not going to say amen to that. That's why we get the, we use, we use reverse as sayings all the time. You know? I, I give my amen to that, or I agree with that, or the guy jumps up. Uh, like Eric does at church all the time at the end of sermons and says, Amen, brother. Right? <laughs> if you do that next week, I'll give you like 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Well, I have a question. Yeah. When you were
1: talking about we did, you drifted into Thanksgiving for food, okay? And for associated things. But. Thank you is not expressed in the words of the Lord's Prayer. And when I pray, maybe it's my age that makes me thankful, okay? But there's a lot of things that have happened and not happened to me that I'm thankful for. And I pray to God, my thank you for that. That's part of my praying. Uh, But I don't see that in the Lord's Prayer. Why is that? I'm I'm not wrong, I'm I'm just doing, in
0: addition to the Lord's Prayer. So, you're asking me why God didn't word his prayers in the way that you wanted him to word it? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: yes. I don't know, Lee. If this is the perfect prayer, then why
0: isn't the thank you in there? I mean, yeah. What am I missing? Uh, I
1: don't know. Okay. That's fine. That's okay. I'm going to continue to be thankful, I
0: can tell you. Yeah, well, so, so Jesus is never saying to not be thankful, right? I mean, we, get, we, have, we have plenty of, of, uh, of scriptures telling us to, to give thanks. I mean, the commandments tell us to pray, praise, and give thanks. Um, and even in the, and especially in Luther unfolding this, so I mean, to your point, Jesus doesn't say it. It's in Luther's explanation where he says that we would receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. So we're acknowledging that this daily bread has come from God's hand. So, in my, in my Christian response to that, acknowledge, as I'm saying this, all this has come from God, I can't help but give thanks for that. Um, yeah. So yeah. That's a good point. I guess I never thought about that. Because G- Jesus, it's interesting, because he's not, he's not giving us a list of, he's not trying to give us more laws, Right? So do you need to give thanks. So maybe that's a good way to run at it. Or I'll go at it the way of love. Uh, if, if I'm saying thank you, if you, ever, if you ever write a thank you note because if you don't write the thank you note, there'll be animosity. Are you really thankful? Um, it's like reciprocated gifts. If you feel like you have to give a gift because someone else gave you a gift, that's not really a gift given in love and joy, Right? So thanksgiving, this, this coming from God telling me to be thankful or else, isn't really true thanksgiving. But thanksgiving is a, from the heart of faith and love. It just says, wow, thanks. I recognize so, that all this came from Him. So uh, our,
1: our, uh, our forgiveness because of Jesus is freely given. We don't have to do anything, okay? It's a believe in Him. Uh, uh, so... But good works are come out of that naturally. So, yeah. so given all this, thankfulness comes out naturally.
0: Is that a good way to look at it? Yeah. I mean, is that a sincere thankfulness? Because really, that's, that, that's a fun... Make, focusing on the sincerity of things kind of pulls it away from the external, like, law-pharisaical view and puts it on this, I have to be given a new heart, creating me a clean heart, O God. And from the new heart of, of faith comes actual love toward the neighbor, actual good works toward the neighbor, actual thanksgiving and faith toward God. But it's always lacking as long as I'm in my sinful flesh. I'm never as thankful as I should be. I take everything for granted. We complain about everything. We covet all the things we don't have. And from all those things, the Lord calls us back. He's like, stop doing that. Since when his complaining made you happy? Why are you you doing that? (laughs) Come back, repent, have your sins forgiven. Right? Good. Good question. question
1: I heard one time you present, Thy thy kingdom come, thy will be done together. They're not separate. And if you add the word when in front of it, when will your kingdom come? When your will is done. In other Mm. words, when you show that gratitude, towards God's will. Does that make sense? That they, that they are combined, they're not separate?
0: Well, they're, they're definitely separate. Um, but I mean, it, they're all strung together. I mean, in fact, when you, when you read, at least the way Luther runs it in the Catechism, is he's, he's running like, uh, all these things are dependent on each other. So the, the devil, for example, is trying to keep me from the things that hallow God's name, and let his kingdom come. So God's kingdom comes when his name is hallowed among me, and when God's name is hallowed among me, my sins are being forgiven, forgive us our trespasses, which enables me to forgive other people's trespasses. So definitely all tied together. But you're saying, yes, does God's kingdom come? Um, when, you're saying when God's kingdom comes, his God's
1: kingdom comes when his will is done on earth as it is in
0: heaven. Yeah. What well, and which is all the time, right? So, like God's will is, is, it's God's will is only happening.
1: But isn't that the piece where He gives us that? Choice?
0: It's yeah. Well, so it's 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 me recognizing that it's God's will is the difference. Same with giving Thanksgiving for food. All, everyone has food, but not everyone recognizes it's from His hand. Everyone can experience the same disaster simultaneously. But not, a, not everybody is able to say, I don't know why God allowed this. Uh, the prayer of the church uh, for natural disasters is uh, like, Lord God, Heavenly Father, in your infinite wisdom you have allowed this tragedy to befall us. You have allowed this tragedy to befall us. So we're, we're recognizing that God could have stopped that and he didn't. But that's, that only the prayer of faith can say that. It's like, I don't know why this terrible thing occurred but I'm praying for faith to withstand it. And maybe he'll, he'll show me the good that, that he brought out of this. But we know the good he brought out of it. Like every, Of all the people who died in the Florida hurricane, for example, there was a lot of good brought out of that. He brought all those people to heaven who died in the faith. That was the, that was the door he chose to take them through, right? So that's good. We, we can't see it as good, right? But that's, I mean, he does work all things out toward his good. points
1: I have uh, one quick question it's not really related to uh, the other questions but um, for you know for the kingdom to come uh, sorry for the kingdom power and glory um, I noticed that Catholics get mass or uh, at funerals they don't uh, it, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering like um, why that
0: is do you know what a, you know what a shibboleth is I, I can't remember if it's in judges there's like there was this there was this group of people one of them was invading the other I can't remember the, the, the details of the story but one of them, like they, they, were, they looked they the same, but they what, they had different like um, dialects, and one of the dialects from the invade they couldn't actually say the Hebrew shibboleth. They couldn't pronounce their SHs. It's kind of probably similar, like Asian, like a lot of like strong Asian people can't can't pronounce the SH sound, and so. When, they, when these, they were trying to test and see the legitimacy of someone, whether or not they were a spy, they told them to say shibboleth. And they would say sibboleth, and they couldn't say it, and they'd kill them right away, right? So, so the, to, to not be able to say or to do something that exposes you for being uh, not s- supposed to be here, that's the, the code word is shibboleth. So all that backstory for if you go to a Catholic church and say, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory that's your shibboleth. And everybody will stop and look at you and they'll, <laughs> they'll stone you. No, no. They actually say, I mean, it's some, they say it. They, they say, say it later. a delay. A, a yeah. delay, yeah. Yeah, they take it off the... Off the and it's not, and, and honestly, yeah, no. it's fine because it's not in the Bible. It's not untrue though, you know? I mean, like the creed's not in the Bible and there's nothing f- f- for... F- God's is it's His kingdom, it's His power and glory forever. So we're we're acknowledging all these things belong to Him. Uh, so it's just an end of the prayer. So it's not bad, you know. It's not, I mean, I'm saying it's not bad for us to. do Certainly, I mean, the Catholics are actually more, I mean, closer to the uh, how it's given by Jesus. So, but he, Jesus ends abruptly, and then he goes off. Depending on whether Matthew or Luke, he actually goes on a, a longer diatribe on forgiveness. So you kind of have to decide where you're going to draw the line. And the history of the Christian church has always ended with, like, amen. And then I think, I'm not sure when it was added in for that it's the kingdom, the power, and the glory. I'm not sure.
1: In the Orthodox church, the priest says that part. Really?
0: And the really. priest stops at even. In Divine Service 3, which we never do because I get yelled at when it, when it happens. The service, when I showed you the Lord's Prayer in the hymnal in Divine Service 3, it's actually sung by, the, the pastor songs the entire, he sings. Pastor sings the Lord's Prayer. Uh, He sings all the parts except for For Thine is the Kingdom, the Power, and the Glory, and the congregation sings that. And if you grew up in the old Missouri Synod TLH congregation, uh, pastors would speak the first part of the Lord's Prayer. The congregation would come in chanting For Thine is the Kingdom, the Power, and the Glory. Is that your experience? Mm -hmm. Because here's why Catholics chant. And therefore, it's necessarily bad, so pastors shouldn't chant. It's a stupid like, reason for not chanting a Lutheran church for 100 years. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so we're like, now we're going to chant everything. <laughs> I'm to chant. Ch- in fact, uh, in, the, in Advent, we might do it in Advent. Um, we'll do it for sure do it in Lent. We like to chant the Lord's Prayer. It's a beautiful uh, musical arrangement of the Lord's Prayer that we chant. And um, not everybody likes it. And so the trick is we teach it to the kids in the day school. And they learn it, and they love it. They do it very, very well. And so we have them singing it next to their parents at church, and the parents can't complain because we're seeing, kids are singing it so beautifully. They're like, oh, "I guess we have to sing this." That that <laughs> <laughs> I as much. Like, nope. Yeah, very good. We're good. We're, let's. Uh, we're over time. Let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.